Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for November 3rd. God damn it, it's fucking November already. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. We have an absolutely phenomenal show lined up for you today. I'm going to look back at the Thursday night football game. Our boy David, aka Better DP21, him and I are going to share our best bets of the NFL weekend. After that, I'm going to break down, share what players we are good. I am going to be using in fantasy, excuse me, this week in my DFS build. Then Jim's going to come on, talk some CFL playoffs. Gino, the host of the That's What G Said podcast, he's going to share his best bets for Breeders' Cup and last NASCAR race of the year. It wouldn't be a podcast with our our man, Brandon, a.k.a. Boston Boy 83 also, Brandon is going to be this week's special guest on the ETOF 21 Sports Show this Tuesday night. Make sure to check that out. 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live on YouTube and Twitch. People are blowing me up. Uh, obviously, this diet bet has kind of taken off way more than I fucking thought. Boys and girls, breaking news. Uncle Rico still fucking alive in the diet bet. Still trucking along. You know, and this is the thing you guys need to, need to understand about me. I'm a stubborn son of a bitch. I am a stubborn son of a bitch. I hate to lose. I hate to lose. And I am in fucking hell now. Actually, I'm not in fucking hell. There's plenty of recipes. I mean, guys, it's pretty simple. Two gallons of water a day. 200 grams of protein. Not having any sweets. Not having any bread. I'm allowed like a handful of nuts. So it's not, it's really not that bad. And once you get over the two days, it's fine. I've lost 15 pounds. Don't mean to brag. What up though? Um, But and no alcohol, which is... A little tough, but I'm a little more mature now, so it's not it's not that bad. But uh, thanks for you guys who have reached out. 15 pounds done on Monday. Cannot wait to get back into the game. But I'm not going to lie. Part of me thinks I'm going to start. I'm going to keep this diet. I'm going to keep the good fight up. Now, we get to talk a little Thursday night football. And Jesus Christ. So my first thing is this. Pick, excuse me, Levis, way better than I thought. Levis looked better than I thought. I thought he was really going to struggle. Uh, but, you know, he had a couple key drives. Obviously, that first drive, a lot of penalties. A lot of penalties in the whole game, actually. Um, but for the most part, I thought Levis looked good. Better than I thought he would against the Steelers' defense. Offensive line issues for the Titans, dropping like flies. They need to get healthy. They need to get healthy in the right way because that offensive line needs to be there to set the table. Obviously, it's going to be interesting moving forward with Levis. Levis, his arm's just more lively than Tannehill's. Can Tannehill probably win a game that he shouldn't have? Yeah, but it's going to be a grubbed-up game. The offensive explosiveness is more there than Levis. And the thing that Levis does, and I don't think people realize, is he throws to a spot. And few people really understand that. He doesn't, so he'll basically try to throw the wide receiver open, if that makes sense to you guys. He'll throw it to a spot of the field and expect the wide receiver to go there. Um, obviously, our Thrive play, we had the Hopkins under 54 and a half yards receiving and Deontay Johnson over 50-whatever. Johnson flew over, finally got his touchdown. We cashed that at plus 210. Cash the Steelers minus 3.5. Look, I, I, I would take that D-Hop bet any fucking day of the week. I bet the under. People are saying I'm an idiot. Look, dude, 
you're telling me a guy that got most of his plays off of most of his yards off two plays had four receptions over 120 yards and I'm an idiot for bending his under I'm pretty good at what I do I put it in a three and thrive rat it didn't hit I will continue to fade Hopkins if these numbers are just astronomical because he's not getting a lot of catches and like I said Levis throws you open because he tries to throw you open throwing to a spot he's going to be more inclined to incomplete interceptions so I'm gonna keep fading Hopkins. Uh, Steelers picket in it. Picket legitimately ain't fucking it. And the Steelers fucked up a lot of drafts. Obviously, we're starting to see Jalen Warren looks a little bit more explosive than Najee Harris. Najee Harris, granted, 16 for 69 and a touchdown helped me out in the season long. Just really disappointed what I've seen with him. Uh, I know he was a little banged up last year and that helped, but for Warren. I think Warren brings a little bit more to the game. Obviously, where are all the George Pickens fanboys? Where, like, literally, where are all the fucking George Pickens fanboys? Where are they? Two for minus one. And I had people arguing with me. I literally had people arguing with me that he was a better wide receiver than Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson runs all the route in the route trees, had two to one targets more than George Pickens last year with. Kenny Pickens as quarterback, but you're t- yet you're telling me John- Johnson's not the number one? What the fuck are you looking at? Literally, if anyone could DM me and explain in a civil matter how you think George Pickens is a better wide receiver and the number one wide receiver in Pittsburgh, I'd love to fucking hear it. Love to fucking hear it. Oh, I finally got the touchdown. It's nice. Steelers, look. Steelers have been out-fucking-gained in every fucking game. They're the only team this year for that to happen. And it makes me fucking sick to my stomach to know I'm going to have to bet the Green Bay Packers next week when they go to Pittsburgh. It makes me sick to my stomach. But look, they're they're due for some regressions. Pickens isn't that good. We're going to be on them, and it's going to fucking suck a donkey dick. So that's my thought of the Thursday night game. Now let's shift our attention over to some DFS. We have reached the part of the podcast. We're talking some DFS. And yes, I'm sorry, boys and girls. Nick's still out. He will be back in the next couple of weeks when him and I will go back and forth about some DFS. But until he comes back, you are stuck with old man, uncle Rico. Fortunately, stuff didn't go the best for us last week. We tried to take a stand. We tried to go for some deep plays. Unfortunately, it didn't work. We're back at it today. And, oh my God, I'm not going to lie. I really feel that this week's slate just sucks. I absolutely hate this week's slate. Look at the quarterback position. No Herbert, no Mahomes, no Tua. So, obviously, the top guy on the slate is Lamar Jackson. He's going against Seattle. Then you got Hertz. Then Dak. We don't know what's going on with Stafford. Then we have CJ, whose numbers have gone down a little bit. Then Geno. Then we're down in the Sam Howell, Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, Jordan Love, Deshaun Watson range. We don't even know if Watson's going to play. So we really don't want to be in that range. So basically, in my eyes, our options are Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, or Dak Prescott. There's no other options. And I feel that Hertz is going to be the chalk here. And because of that, 
I'm going to go the opposite way. Now, of course, look, I know this is cash games. I know what people are going to do. They're going to go to Philly and Dallas. That's what people are going to do because as the highest total last year, they had that game in Dallas when it completely bloomed out. But you need to have a piece of it. And I don't want to have Lamar against Seattle because I think getting Williams there is going to be a little bit disruptive. I don't trust Lamar throwing the ball. And I think that Seattle game is going to be a little bit closer. And they're going to do a good job of limiting Jackson's throwing ability. And I don't want to go to Hurts because I mentioned he's a chalk. He's got a banged up leg. He's not running. You're not going to get those rushing touchdowns. FML. I'm taking Dak Prescott. The Eagles are giving up the fifth most DraftKings points to opposing quarterbacks. Dak has gone over the 20-point mark the last two games, averaging 28.5 points. I think that the Cowboys will have to throw the ball in this game in order to win. And because of that, I like Dak Prescott at 6,500. Now the running back position. Obviously, Kamara's priced up. And look, those listening to this, the betting segment that's coming up, one of my bets is Kamara over 32. Now, 32 and a half yards. Now, obviously, in DraftKings, that is a phenomenal play in DraftKings. Kamara is just because you get the PPR. If you're playing on FanDuel or one of these other sites, you need to look. FanDuel doesn't have PPR. So Kamara's value isn't there. But I like him here. But he's at 8,100. I don't want, I, I don't want the highest priced option. Next is Saquon Barkley. I'm going to be honest. One of my bets this week is the Raiders. I think the Raiders come out with a bat on fucking fire against the New York Jets just because I think they hated Josh McDaniels. I really think they hated him. You're going to see Aiden O'Connell throwing. I think the defense is going to be better. Because of that, I want nothing to do with the Giants. Next, you got Kenneth Walker against the Ravens. You can run on the Ravens, but I think that Geno Smith is going to have to throw the ball. And plus, we're seeing Carbonet get a little bit bigger in the mix. Then you have the player I want. And I know with the Raiders, people are going to look to Devontae Adams, which was fine. Which is fine. I'll probably have one lineup. My 50-50 lineup, I'm going to have Josh Jacobs. My millionaire maker, I'm going to have Devontae Adams. But in the cash games, look, we're going Josh at Josh Jacobs, 6,900. One thing that we know is defensive coaches like to run the ball. And that's what they have with Pierce, with the Raiders. The Giants are 20th DVOA in the run, allowing 110.1 yards per game and 23.8 fantasy points per game. Per PFF, Raiders O-line versus the Giants D-line in the run game, sixth best advantage. Jacobs is coming off a 16.8 performance versus the Lions. I think they're going to get the run game going. And we see it. All these defensive coaches... They like to run the fucking ball. It's a great matchup. I think they're going to lean on Josh Jacobs. I'm going to take Josh Jacobs. Now, the next one. And oh, 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 my God, did we get grimy. Now, obviously, you could play A.J. Brown and just simply run it back. So that way you have a piece of the Eagles side of the ball, which you want to do. Maybe you want to go Dallas Galler. Maybe you want to go DeAndre Smith. Maybe you want to go A.J. Brown. Maybe you want to go... Devontae Smith. You want a piece. I'm not going to give it out here because I'm looking for deep finds that are going to help you win. Obviously, I'm not going to take Cooper Cup because we really have no idea what the hell is going on with Matt Stafford. C.D. Lamb, we got Dak. We got his production. Devontae Adams, we got Josh Jacobs. We don't want him. We got Thielen. 
Jesus, it's remarkable how fucking good Thielen is. Thielen's going to win someone a fucking championship. But we're not going to Thielen. Could go to Evans. We could go to Godwin. But look, guys, we're going down. We're going deep, 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 deep down. And we're going DeMario Douglas at 4,000 with the injuries to Bourne and Parker. This means more opportunities for Douglas, who's coming off a game with a 22% target share. The commanders are giving up the second most DK points to opposing wide receivers, 44.3 points. No young, no sweat. That means Jones is going to have more time in the pocket more to operate, pick apart the defense. I really think that with the connection that Jones seems to have with um, with Douglas, look, he's got 13 targets his last two games. So obviously Jones is looking his way. And with no Bourne and no Parker, I think this is going to open up the opportunity for more, more targets. So I'm going to take Douglas at a $4,000 price take. Thus, it's going to open up the board for you guys to put in whoever you want. So there you have it. It is... Dak Prescott, Josh Jacobs, and Demario Douglas are the three guys I am building my DFS lineups around. Now, the next part is, look, you guys send me in your start-sit questions, which I appreciate. Obviously, make sure to include if they're P, if they're points per, per points per reception or not. First one, we got Miles Sanders or Devon or Devin Singletary. Look. No Cleveland for the Colts. I really think you have to go with Sanders there. Cleveland is so good against the run. It really opens up the stuff to run against the Colts. Also, another thing to remember, Colts defense gives up a ton of points. Jeff Wilson or Tyler Ajir. Look, Ajir has kind of made himself into this goal line back. Wilson, you always already have Mozart. Chiefs front line is pretty good. Plus, they the Dolphins could be out with three offensive linemen. That's something we need to remember. So I'll go Tyler Ajir. Uh, we got Deontay Foreman or Ezekiel Elliott. Look, it looks like Johnson is back for the Bears. If Johnson's back and he's a full go, that's going to knock Foreman down more. I know he was back last week, but I really think they're going to give this backfield slowly to Johnson. So I'll go Ezekiel Elliott against the Commanders, who just lost half of their starting defensive line. Uh, Michael Williams or Demario Douglas. Look, I already gave my love for Demario Douglas. I think he's a good add in this situation. Tyler Lockyer or Christian Watson. Look, can you trust Watson with love? No. And where is Watson in the pecking order? Not that high. He's not higher than um, Musgrave, questionably. He's not higher than Aaron Jones, not higher than Dobbs. Third in the passing game. Lockett's definitely the second fiddle there. And that game could get off script. I don't think it will, but it could. So I'll take the um, I'll take Tyler Lockett. Next, we have Josh Downs or Tank Dell, Downs, Garcia Minshew loves him over targets him in every game. I'll take him. I think Dell is a tough matchup against the Bucs. I think the Bucs are going to limit Stroud. So there you have it. Those are my bets. Not my bets. Excuse me. The answers for your start sick questions. Reminder that you can send those in and I will answer them the best I can. Nick will be here. Nick will get involved as soon as he gets back with the stuff that he has going on. Now let's shift our attention over to our betting segment of the show. 
we have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking NFL betting. Who better to come on than the man, the myth, Mr. 2-0 himself, David, a.k.a. Better DP 21 David, how are you doing today, my man? Doing great, brother. Um, you know, Friday, looking forward to a lot of games this weekend. We got a lot on deck. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just, just happy to talk through it with you today, man, as always. Appreciate you having me on. First of all, um, are you a Bills fan by chance? I can't tell. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Hold on. Let me back up. Yep. Mafia. Yep. 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 We're here. <laughs> For those listening, he is rocking a Bills hat, Bills Mafia t-shirt. There's a statue of Jim Kelly behind him. I mean, <laughs> a life-size cutout of Thurman Thomas. Um, uh, no, I'm just giving you shit. Uh, interesting week. Like, real, real interesting slate of games. A lot of trappy lines, I feel like. Uh, a lot of short lines. Uh, usually on Sunday night, Monday morning, I start diving into stuff, but, uh, I kind of felt like this weekend was a little bit different than weekends, weekends prior, if you will. I agree. I mean, to your point with that, right? Like I usually jump in pretty, pretty tight on Tuesdays, you know, just to get ahead of public market in some senses, um, get a good idea where the lines are moving everything like that. But with all these injuries that we had last weekend that are affecting kind of the QB landscape and kind of where these teams are playing, you know, I definitely had to, it's more of a wait and see game. in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, I don't, I'd almost recommend a lot of betters. If you have a side in mind, you might, you might want to consider live betting that game if you're going to be paying well enough attention to it. Um, you know, just because like you can actually see if, you know, the players are actually going to be deemed healthy to play you know, anything like that, that may come out last minute uh, before game time. I mean, I, I think there's still some some questions around the Rams with Matt Stafford and, you know, what he's got going. So, you know, then you just got the influx of other QBs like Dobbs and Minnesota and stuff like that. And who's actually going to be taking the reins, you know, just kind of across the board. So it's going to definitely affect those uh, matchups into some degree. And, you know, uh, for those of you not using a model, I, I, I exercise caution. <laughs> I mean, just kind of looking at the board, 12 games on Sunday. Yep. Starting early, ending late. Um, yep. Early Georgia, early Germany. There are eight of the 12 have a point spread of three or less. And then you have the Vikings sitting at four. You have Seattle sitting at six. You have Chicago sitting at nine. And you have the card sitting at 10. So there's like a lot of small dogs, two medium dogs, and then two big dogs. Just a real big, interesting slate of games. Yeah. Like just an interesting slate, a lot of line movement. Um, Definitely. Let's uh, let's jump right into it. Um, You know, David, I'll let you kick off. Where uh, where are you going first? Yeah. So for those new, you know, like Eric usually says, right, like I'd lead out with a first half bet and a side. And so, you know, my first half bet that I'm looking at is actually going to be the uh, the game over in Germany. We're looking at, you know, Dolphins Chiefs. And, um, you know, I'm actually trending at the over in this game. Now, I took away, obviously, home advantage, all that kind of stuff, because obviously nobody's playing in the States here at any home field. But uh, that being said, this is my best edge across – all the games. I have a nine-point differential uh, edge here where I'm projecting 33 points, and the books line right now is at 24 in the first half. Mm-hmm. 
So we are looking way over in this one. The kicker is when I, on the flip side of this, for the game, I'm projecting 55. Now, the books line has that at 50. So again, you're getting a lot better edge on the first half. And that's exactly what I'm kind of, you know, positioning that, if you will, you know, for this game right now. But, you know, as I kind of look at the the VOA statistics for these teams, um, you know, their rushing defenses are bottom tier, number 23, 28, respectively, for Chiefs and Dolphins. Um, passing defense is really the only thing that sticks out for the Chiefs, um, you know, number four. But then the Dolphins passing defense is number 17. So, you know, this, this could definitely be a lot of running on the ground um, or, you know, just some kind of play action to the running back, something like that, because, you know, again, rushing defense is just piss poor for both of these teams. But then you're talking about, you know, the show and the speed of Miami, right. And you're talking about that in alignment with, you know, KC is both of them top five passing offenses. So, you know, I can definitely see them airing this out where they can as well. And so I really like this point total, you know, going over the 24 for that reason in the first half. I like it. I like it. Um, my first bet, my first player, the first bet I always do is always a player prop. I'm just going to go back to the well. I'm just going to keep going back to the well and going back to the well. Running backs out of the backfield against the Chicago Bears. Bears have given up 497 yards to opposing running backs at 62.15 yards per game. Last week, Eckler, 94 yards, well over his total. He went over his total on his first pass play. Like oh, he yeah. hit his prop on his first pass play. Jacobs the week before against the rate when they played the Raiders only had six, but Zaheer White had 24. He went over his prop. Week before that, Madison, Madison went over his prop. Week before that, Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson went over their props. The week before that, they played the Denver Broncos. That's the game Javante Williams was two yards away from going over his prop after two catches, got hurt but then P Ryan and McLaughlin went over. So basically in the last one, two, three, four, five games, the only running two running backs to not go over the rushing props were Javante Williams, who would have gone over, but if he didn't get hurt sure, and Josh Jacobs. And now I'm getting Kamara. Who's basically the focal point of that whole passing attack that the, um, that the whatchamacallit that the saints do also, Car with his shoulder, he really can't throw it down the field. A lot more checkdowns. Kamara has gone over this total four of five games. Per game, he's averaging 8.8 targets, 7.8 receptions, 45.5 yards with a dead arm of Carr, the good matchup. And in Kamara just basically being their de facto offense, besides Taysom Hill, I'll take uh, Kamara over 32 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, so basically after all that, the Bears passing defense is still shit. Yeah, you know what? It's funny though, like they're not that bad against the run. Yeah, you're right. You're they're you're not, right. They they are a lot better against the run. You're 100 percent They're correct. not that bad they against are dead run. last in passing defense. <laughs> Again, defending wide running backs out of the backfield, they are awful. But yeah. you know, stopping the run, they're not bad. So we're going to attack that with Kamara. David, what is your next bet, my friend? Yeah, so <clears throat> my next bet for the side that I'm looking at is going to be Sunday Night Football, Bills versus Bengals. I mean, that's why I'm hearing all the gear, right? So 
you know, I you can call it a homer pick if you want. My numbers take me here. I have never been biased. Eric's known me plenty of times to bet even against my teams, you yeah. know, should the, should the numbers take me that direction. So I'm betting with the numbers, with my team, my second best edge on the board here. I'm taking Buffalo Bills plus 115 on the money line right now. Um, you know, Bills had not been looking great coming back from, you know, being abroad and, and doing the overseas thing. I mean, they struggled overseas. They were lethargic coming back even from that game. They had some some pressers where, you know, they just – they had some, you know, really public money on them. I mean, you're talking like eight, nine, ten type of spreads where they need to win by more than, you know, a score or two um, to cover, and they weren't covering. Uh, in this case, they're the dog going into Cincinnati – and, you know, I really like the matchup for, for where they've started to turn things around for themselves with the running game and the passing game. They're starting to simplify. They've got really good um, depth that they got here at the trade deadline with getting, you know, their DBs healthy again. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things just statistically that I'm looking at on my board from a numbers perspective where – you're getting plus two or you take the money line. I'm taking money line because anytime I see something that's shorter than a touchdown, I love to play the money line on. So that's why I'm getting the plus odds where I can. You guys know that I always like to look for the dogs in any kind of matchup where I can. So passing defense, these are the numbers for the Bills, right? Passing defense, 13. Rushing defense, 17. Passing offense, number two. Rushing offense, number 10. I really like what the offense is doing right now to offset with that defensive you know, where those numbers are. I mean, you're basically looking at really good numbers better than, you know, um, the better third of, you know, the league right now. So opposite end, Cincinnati, rushing defense number 25, passing defense number 11, pretty similar to the Bills. I think this game is going to be one on the ground, and I do think it's going to be one through the defensive air because of that, because, again, um, you know, passing defense being so comparable – but the Bills like to air it out. As long as Josh Allen's not doing something crazy down the field where the camera's panning to it at the last minute and nobody's home, then, you know, by all means, I think the Bills can take this one from them. I I really like, you know, uh, also the fact that, again, the, the rushing matchup here for the Bills, I mean, number 10 versus the rushing defense of the Bengals being number 25 in the league. I mean, they should definitely be able to run over this team a little bit more than um, – you know, other people are probably thinking may not happen. So, so that is kind of where my head goes. Um, I've got the Bills line for myself at a little bit better than a field goal to win this game. To your point of being one of those close games that's within about three points of margin, I'm seeing about a six-point, you know, margin differential edge over the book line right now at that plus two if you want to take the points. I personally think, you know, teams that are going to win are going to outright cover. So you know, that is why I take the money line on the, in this play and also why I'm looking at the bills, you know, to take the outright win. So I was just looking at my database real quick when you're talking. Yep. Josh Allen, just nice, real simple business casual, 69.6% ATS is a favorite. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. As a road favorite, that goes up to 76.9%. Holy shit. I mean, that's, Granted, the sample size isn't that big just because it's rare yep. you're getting him. But, I mean, those are some pretty big numbers. Um, now, let me ask you this. You talked about live trading, live betting. Yep. 
Do you feel this could be a game where you get plus money on both sides? I do. 100%. I feel like this could go the direction of Bengals score first. That number goes up. Or if the Bills score first, then they're no longer to you know have the plus money available after the after the pregame. So that's why I'm taking it now. Then you know Bengals playing catch up. They're they'll probably keep that as a favorite for the Bengals though through a majority of the first quarter before yeah. that live line would actually you know reach that plus odds. So the Bills can control the ball, control the clock for that first quarter. I do think you can find plus odds on both sides. And I think you'll probably find it right about that plus 120 mark, which is usually, you know, where I like to jump in from both angles, you know, and, and know that you're making some kind of money. Um, I like it. I like it. I definitely, I have hope that that three is going to drift back in. So I see some two and a half. So I see some twos in the market. Sure. I'm hoping I get the three, but I'll definitely look to get in. Um, my next bet. And it hates this because look, I have I have the Texans over six and a half. Okay. I have CJ Stroud five to one to win rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. But I'm taking the Bucks plus the three. And part of the reason is is I'm afraid that the book on CJ Stroud is out. First four weeks, the Texans were two and two. He was 94 for 151. That's a completion percentage of 62.2%. Averaging 302 yards per game and his QB his QB rating was 100.85. The next three games, one and two, 49 through 86, 56.9% completion percentage, averaging a robust 196 yards per game, having not one but two games where he didn't throw for over 200 yards and his quarterback ranking had dropped down to 84, 84.84. And it's not, he struggled against the Panthers. You know what I mean? So it's not like, it's not like he's rolling out there against, I'm trying to think of the like top defenses. You know what I mean? This is a middle tier defense in the Panthers. So he is struggling. And I think the adjustments he needs to make, he hasn't, he hasn't made yet. Now you're facing the Bucks defense, 13th DVOA, 15th in pass, 13 in rush. It was just announced Damian Pierce is out. So now you're going to rely on Devin Singleton to Singletary. run the ball, yeah. to run the ball. And the thing is, is the team that leads the league in third and longs, so that's six yards or more, is the, is the Texans. So now – you're in third or long because you're running on the early downs. You don't have Damian Pierce there. So you're using Singletary. You have your backup there and you're going against a Todd Bowles defense. that's going to blitz a lot against a rookie quarterback. To me, that just, that just feels a little bit problematic. You look at the Texans, Texans are 24th DVOA defending the pass. Also 18th again, defending wide receiver ones, 20th defending wide receiver twos. I don't think they're going to be able to defend both Godwin and Evans. I think maybe they can take one of them out, but in terms of taking both of them out, I don't think they'll be able to do it. Evans, I know he's had some drops lately, but he's having a good season. Godwin's having a good season. I just think Baker's going to, Baker's a crafty veteran. Baker, I read this interview with him. He said the best thing that happened to his career was going to Los Angeles and McVay saying, this is. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I remember. He's like, this is why you suck. 
And him getting that and he's worked on it. He's not turning the ball over, not forcing in tight windows, throwing the ball away a little bit more. I just like the Bucks here. It's a grimy line. I know the Texans, a lot of people are going to go to the Texans, but I just think the Bucks defense, you got Todd Bowles, who's a good defensive coach. I think he's going to look to put pressure and pressure, pressure CJ Stroud. I think that's going to lead to some turnovers. I'll take the Bucks here at three. I love it. Um, really love the play. Even even my model showing that this game's within a point, almost a pick 'em game. So, you know, in my opinion, yeah, I think Bucks is the right play. Um, definitely even just looking at some of the numbers here, you know, to your point, I mean, this is a very equal matchup DeVoe rankings wise, uh, for the most part. The the place that's, you know, kind of a separation point is kind of what you just mentioned about the Houston Texans passing defense. Um they're much lower than the Bucks, and you know you you just kind of have to say that's going to be the target of what you know Tampa Bay should be keying in on. So definitely agree with you on all those points, just based on my numbers, what I'm looking at. Hopefully, we can cash some tickets, man. Um, yep. Make some money. I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your Friday to come on and talk some shop. Why don't you, David? Why don't you tell everyone where they, where they can find you on social media? Absolutely. Uh, as always, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Love talking this out with you. Um, you know, look for me on Twitter, Instagram, better DP 21, better with an OR. So thanks again, man. Make sure to give David a follow and we'll talk next week, my friend. All right, buddy. Two and O again. Make sure to give my boy David a follow at better DP 21 on social media. Now let's shift our attention over to some CFL. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some CFL playoffs. And who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend, XFL, USFL, CFL, X League, United States Football Spring League. Jim, Jim, how are you doing today, my man? I am doing great, but also constantly in a state of confusion mm-hmm. and arousal and anticipation. Oh, those are some confusing states, buddy. Some real confusing yeah. states. Um, we've reached the playoffs of the CFL. Um, before we get started, there's only two games, so this is going to be a little bit of a quicker quicker segment than we usually do. Just let me ask you this. Um, biggest surprise of the CFL season was? I think for me personally, it was – BC for the better part of the season, kind of keeping pace with what they did last year. Obviously they had some trip ups. Obviously they weren't as good as they were last year, but I don't know about you, but I expect them to kind of like fall off without Rourke and without the leading rusher of the CFL on their team last year. Biggest disappointment was continues to be, and will always be the rough rider. (laughs) They are nothing but disappointing. Fired their coach. They were like, this team, the Rough Riders, is like, when people think CFL and you're not like a big CFL fan, they're one of the first things that come to your mind. And they're fucking awful. <laughs> um, next question is, will Jeremiah Masoli be in the league next year? No, he's done. He's got it. For his own health and safety, I hope not. The starting quarterback of the Red Blacks next year will be? 
Here's one for you. Taylor Cornelius. I doubt the, it, though. They're probably going to get some rookie or someone out. The Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers. Jesus. Elks, the baby. Edmonton Elks will A, improve their record, or B, be fighting for a playoff spot last, next year, or C, be what they are this year. Which is, like, terrible. Yeah. Terrible, but with, like, end-of-the-season flashes so that you have hope for next year. I lean towards, A, that they have an improved record. Playoff hunt is a little iffy. I don't know what what pieces they're going to pick up in the offseason and kind of give them that boost. They have a, they have a lot of great skill positions. I want to see what they do with the, with the offensive and defensive lines, and I also want to see what they just do on defense in general. I believe this team will be able to put up points next year. With a full season and an, a full offseason for Trey Ford, I expect good things from this this staff and this roster. But I don't trust them to, like, it's a small league, so anything's possible. I don't really trust them to be making a huge playoff push. What is one thing you wish the CFL would improve on to enhance its watchability and popularness popularness popularity amongst the united states it's so hard so watchability i think is not too big of a, like the game viewing experience for the cfl when you can actually see it is enjoyable it's very professional it's very good the games are fast-paced they're fun they do a good job of explaining the rules too i enjoy it i know i'm a freak with these kind of leagues but i think the actual watchability is fine it's getting it in front of people, which is tough. So it's hard. They had a deal with ESPN. It was fine. Now they're on CBS Sports. The games on CBS Sports are very fun and easy to watch. But the biggest issue for the CFL, I don't know if it's in their control. It's when they start and when they finish. Because they have to go up against the NFL and college football. Which is, especially with when it relates to like the American audiences. It's, I'm... I'm, I was going to say it's really, really difficult. It's probably impossible. <laughs> I mean, so these games are played on Saturday, okay? You Let's could just... do middle-of-the-week games, but I, if you're the CFL, you don't do that if that is a detriment to your Canadian audience. I think Let's... first and foremost, you have to focus on them. Let's just look at the games this weekend in college football. Oh, banger week. Texas, Texas A&M, Old Miss, Notre Dame, Clemson, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Missouri, Georgia, um, Washington, USC, and you have LSU, Alabama. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, that is a brutal, 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 brutal thing. But it's like it's not like they'd get any more viewership if they played them Sunday against the NFL either. Oh, I 100% agree. So, but like, like I, you could maybe play them Friday, but the but issue... That, but the issue is, is, like, and you hit the nail on the head, it's a Canadian league, and they're going to do what's better for the Canadian... Yeah, folks. first and foremost, you need to do what's best for your Canadian audiences. Like, venture into America and get as many American eyes on your league as you can, but you can't do that at the detriment of the Canadians watching your league. I think more than anything... 
continually, year in and year out, the CFL needs to find ways to get Canadians involved with the league. It's hard. It's hard, especially when your top league, Toronto, the top, the winner of the Grey Cup, brings in the least amount of people. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. Crazy to think. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think is we're you can maybe shorten the season? Sorry, like on the last thing, you can maybe shorten the season a little. We're talking about this in Spring Fever. If those who missed it, check out Spring Fever on Jim and I's YouTube channel. We're talking the USFL xfl merger we talked a little gambling do you think if it, they were to partner and we don't know the rules so let's just pretend the rules are the same they, as they are in the u.s partner with a um like a prize picks or thrive whatever some gambling entity help? yeah do you think that would help like if the cfl were to do something like that yeah i possibly i think it i think it very well could i don't know not just the rules, but I don't know, like the um, how people view gambling in Canada. If it's very similar to how it's like been blowing up here recently with a lot of more casual people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know I mean, if it has that same been, effect. It's been legalized longer in Canada, so I mean it's a little bit more mainstream, I believe. Um, speaking of gambling, this is a gambling podcast, and we're going to jump into these gambling lines. Two games. Two games in the playoffs. Um, obviously, the first game, we got the Hamilton Tiger Cats traveling to Montreal. Hamilton is getting three and a half over under of 48. I like Hamilton in this spot, especially when it comes time for playoffs. I always get suckered into the Tie Cats. And this Montreal team, as good as they've been, as decent as they've been, I think Hamilton heats it up right now. Give me the Tie Cats straight up. Plus 150 on the money line. I'll take the three and a half too, but give me the money. I like it. I like it. Um, What I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do with this game, Jimmy. Do something gross. I would. I kind of want to take the under of 23 and a half for the first half. Eric, you and these first half unders. That's no, disgusting. It's like one of those things that's disgusting and hot at the same time, right? Yeah, I, t- I actually understand what you mean by 100%. So, I mean, I would what I would do – now, hear me out, Jimmy. Hear me out, Jimmy. Hear me out, buddy. I'm listening. I would take the first half under and then I'd take Hamilton for the full game on the money line. Ooh. That's kind of what I'm looking at in this game. I don't I, I don't dislike that at all. So a little plus one fifty. And then a little twenty three and a twenty three and a half under. Uh next game. Calgary Stampeders going to BC lane BC laying seven over under of fifty. It's the playoffs. I'm putting my big boy pants on. Give me BC minus seven. I kind of like BC minus four for the first half. I think they come out with their guns on fire. I, think I like that too. They're going to come out. They're going to make a statement here, and um, it's just going to be a boat race. Uh, so just to review, I like BC minus four for the first half. I also like Hamilton and Montreal under 23 and a half for the first half. And – 
Hamilton plus three and a half and plus one fifty. Jim, what 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 do you like? I might experiment with some of those first half, but for now, I like Hamilton at plus three and a half and sprinkle a little on that money line. I like the state. I like the Lions. BC minus seven at home. And you know what? Give me the over fifty in that game. I like it. I like it, Jim. I'd like to thank you for coming on, talking some CFL. Why don't you tell everyone where they could find you on social media? You can find me everywhere at XFL Jim. I am all encompassing. I am all around at XFL Jim everywhere. And the best college football pregame show in the nation. College tailgate, football tailgate, baby. Live every single Saturday morning, 930 Eastern time. Make sure to check Jimmy out on that. Make sure to G- give my boy Jimbo a follow. And uh, let's make some money. And uh, we'll talk next week, my friend. Hell yeah. We don't have too many more of these left. Bottom of the ninth, man. Two on, two out. That's a baseball reference. Jim, Jim missed. Jim didn't watch any I, baseball. Yeah, I, I, I too doubt once he said that. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you next week, my friend. Later. Make sure to give my boy Jim a follow at XFL Jim. Also, Jim Chase and myself are live every single Saturday morning, breaking down the college football slate of games, sharing what bets we are making. Make sure to check that out. Now, let's shift our attention over to some Breeders' Cup. We've reached the part of the podcast where we are talking some horse racing. Who better to come on than the host of the That's What G Said podcast, Gino. Gino, how are you doing today, my man? Doing good, buddy. Been out at the track early uh, in the morning for the last week or so, doing lots of work. It's been a very, uh, like, two weeks of Breeders' Cup horse racing focus for me. Normally, I'm talking all about a bunch of different sports, but lots of horse racing right now for the next few days. What has kind of stood out? at the track like what is there anything like you've kind of noticed that something as us like someone like me i'm not really like a horse better better you know what i mean i'll bet the bigger days is there something there that you've noticed that has stood out that someone like me should be aware of well for me i have grown up five minutes away from santa anita so i've been out there before but i think one thing that i notice is like you, everyone will kind of look at a horse that out there in the mornings and they'll kind of have their different favorites. You know, they'll see horses training and it's not like when you're in a race, right? Because you're not necessarily winning or losing a race. When you watch these horses train, we can all sort of like watch players train, right? And you can kind of see the best versions of them. And that's what happens when you see these horses train in the morning. So for me, it was, it's kind of interesting because they have every, um, all of the horses that are Breeders' Cup horses, they have like, um, uh, indexed saddle cloths. So their saddle cloth will be on. It'll say like number seven, five, one. So then seven, five, one will tell you who they are. So it kind of makes it a little easy to follow along. And then after about four or five days, you start kind of noticing who some of these horses are maybe without even having to notice their saddle cloth. You can sort of see the way that they move. And like, for me, I'm, I don't pay attention as much to how horses are doing in the mornings. Um, normally like day in day out, but this last week, there are probably going to be three or four horses I end up using based on what they looked like in the morning to me that I might not have known. You know, it's funny. It's kind of like a little like narrative-y with, with sports. You know, in sports, you and I, a lot of times in football, we'll handicap, we'll watch a game, we'll rewatch the game, we'll look at the box scores, DVOA, EPA, PFF, we'll compare all these different things for like the deep dive. But then there'll be like, Oh, I heard this rumor about something like that. You know, it's so it's it's so funny. I think you get the narrative stuff a little bit sometimes in horse racing more than you might in other sports. And I'm I'm 
I'm looking forward to it. There's going to be three or four horses I mentioned to you that I thought looked really good in the mornings. And then I'm, what it did was it sort of made me want to look into those horses more. And then I was able to find out like, Oh, you look, this horse actually had like surgery recently. And there's a reason why his last race didn't go well. He had like a throat surgery. And so um, it was cool. There are horses now that are on my radar that probably wouldn't have been uh, two weeks ago if I wasn't out there in the mornings. What what horse stood out the most? A horse is named Shariar. Uh, this is the one horse in the Breeders' Cup turf. So this is going to be race number eight on Saturday. Uh, this horse is 15 to one on the morning line. I did not see the name of this horse the first time he came out. And I watched him for a little while and I just made a note like, wow. And then the next day, Again, I was wowed and I was, I looked down and that was Shariar. And so after the second day, I kind of kept really paying attention to him. Um, he, he's not had a very good year this year. He's only raced twice. He's actually a horse from Japan and he raced against the horse named Equinox, who is the number one ranked horse in the world right now. He lost twice to this horse following that Shariar actually was in a, uh, was ready to race one day and it started pouring and he just does not like those types of conditions. He actually couldn't breathe. And they had to do a surgery afterwards to help his breathing. Man, he looks like he is feeling really good out on the racetrack. And Eric, this will also answer another question because, you know, I, I know some of the things that you're going to ask me. I can predict the future. This would also answer a question that you were going to ask me for an exacta bet. Maybe one of my uh, my more strong exacta plays on the day. I would play an exacto with the one and the nine here. I think Mostadoff is a very, very logical favorite type horse who's going to run well. And I think if we put the price of the one, Shariar, along with the nine and combine those two in an exacta, that's that would be my strong exacta play of the day. So the horse who I like the most. And, and in this situation, I would box it. I would okay. play an exacta box because Shariar is going to be 15 to one. So in this case you want Shariar to have an opportunity to win or finish second because it would really help your payout. Now, when you go into a big race day like today, like Saturday, excuse me, what is kind of like your betting strategy? Like me, the novice better, and you're probably going to laugh, is I like pick fives. I like trying to hit a home run. Not so do I. Yeah. And oh. the pick fives are are like lower takeout wagers, which means you're getting taxed less. You know, they're harder yeah. to hit, but you get taxed less. You get you get back more of your money when you win. I like pick fives. I like pick fours. I play into those as well. But honestly, for me, what I I have to play strong win wagers all throughout the days. Like because the way that I bet, I'm betting lots of horses that are five, eight, ten, sometimes fifteen and twenty to one. So those are the races where as a gambler, I don't want to have a really strong opinion and not capitalize a little bit on it. How bad is it, Eric, when you go four out of five and you have a couple of really nice prices and then you don't have anything from it? At least in this case, what I'll do is I'll play a pick five. Then I'll also take some of my bankroll and I'll make sure that the three or four horses I like the most throughout the day, maybe not all just in that pick five, but throughout the day, I'll be sure to bet them to win. So that way, if one or two of those horses win, I'm at least going to get something back for it. I think a lot of times we all get a little greedy. Just like you're saying, I want to hit the pick five. You want to hit the pick five. We all want to hit the pick five, but there's nothing wrong with betting on a horse that's five to one and going to get five times your money back, you know? So 
Uh, I will be playing a lot of win wagers throughout the weekend. Somebody said sometimes the best thing to do is just play the pick one. There you go. <laughs> right? Just just get the winner, get the bankroll. Um, get the winner, exactly. Yeah, because look, looking at the way I bet, I usually don't bet wins. I usually parlays, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't say to parlay a bunch of yeah. things to people necessarily, right? Like yeah. so, and but and, but like occasionally you would throw a money line parlay and maybe with some dogs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like something like that where you're like, hey, you know, I'll throw a small. That's sort of I think the way you, you want to do things too. Maybe on these bigger days, bigger pools to shoot for. We take a swing at the pick fives, but for me, bread and butter is like most days of the week. I'm playing three or four horses that day to win. And okay. then there's probably like two days of the week that I'm like, okay, I'm going to play a pick five here, a pick five here and a couple of those. But I, I get through based on the win wagers. Okay. Now, speaking of win wagers, what is your favorite win, win, win wager for Saturday? You say that five times fast, Eric, win wager. I'm struggling. Um, I'm struggling. I, how about this? I'm going to turn all the way to the last Breeders' Cup race on Saturday. It's going to be race number 11 at Santa Anita. It's going to be the Breeders' Cup Sprint. And this is a race where there is not that much early speed for the Breeders' Cup Sprint. It's kind of weird. Normally, these are the really, really fastest horses. A lot of these horses are good. They're solid. They're quality. They just don't want to go that far. But they're not all that fast early. Speedboat Beach, he's very quick early, but the horse who actually is the most versatile, the horse who can sit close, who can put a little pressure on Speedboat Beach, but who can also pass horses is Dr. Shival. That's the number two. He's five to one on the morning line. He's one of my best bets. Probably if I were to just tell somebody to bet one horse on the whole weekend, it would be Dr. Shival. If he's anything in the four to one or above range, I think that's very fair value. He's proven at Santa Anita. He likes it here. In the Breeders' Cup Sprint two years ago, he just missed. He was off for a little bit of time, but he he showed up in September for a prep race to get him ready for this. He won that prep race, and now he's ready to take another step forward here. And he's got some speed, but he can also sit off a little bit. I like him quite a bit. Now, one thing I need to ask you, and um, you know, you you gave this out when we talked the. Kentucky Derby. Derby and your number one fan coach Dan did this and he won big on it is he took a horse and then he played the exacta the horse with everyone underneath and then flipped it with mm-hmm. everyone over the horse and obviously his horse finished second big price won it so he got a nice little exacta is there kind of would, would that be the scenario in this race race 11 that might five? I might want to do that more with a horse like Shariar, who's a, a little bit bigger of a price because that knowing that the Dan, the, the reason why I would do that with a bigger price is because you know that if you have a horse that's like 10 to one and they finish in the top two, that your exacta there is going to have paid out. Well, right. You're have going to have, it's going to be worth it. Then it doesn't really matter even if you're if the favorite were to hit when you go all there, right? But if for some reason you are to get the bomb in this particular race, like if it were to come uh, elite power over Dr. Chevelle, it might not really pay out all that much, right? It may not be worth our, our investment all that much. I would play that exact type of wager when I liked a horse that would be maybe 10 to 1 or above. 
Good question. Um, speaking of exactas, um, you already gave out your best exacta, but what is the horse? We talked pick fives. What is the horse I need to play in my pick five? What is the horse? The late pick five. This is the horse you have to have it in your ticket. It's right before uh, the one that we were just talking about. So we were talking about race number 11. Actually, it's kind of crazy. I got to be careful, Eric, because two of my best opinions are like the last two Breeders' Cup races. So I can't empty out early on. I got to make sure I still got plenty of ammo left in those two. Uh, I'm going to talk about the number 10, Motorious, in race number 10. Motorious is in the turf sprint where they go five furlongs. They will be flying early. Some of the fastest horses you'll see really uh, in the world, legitimate sprinters. And Motorious is going to drop back. He's going to make one late run. He's been prepping for this and priming for this. This has been the goal for him all year long. He just needs to stay out of a little bit of traffic. Make sure you have Motorious in your pick fives. Build around him. If he is anything above seven to two, I think that's fair value on Motorious. Now, we're to the classic. The big daddy of them all. Who, what is your bet in the classic? Now, keep in mind this year, they've actually changed uh, the classic. It's race number nine because of like TV. Um, and they actually have two races that run after the classic. Sort of weird. Uh, the sprint and the turf sprint. Archangelo is out of the classic. There's been some kind of bad energy this week too. A couple horses um, had to scratch. One horse passed away. Very, very sad news. Another horse got hurt in a workout and then passed away. So there have been just some really bad hits. Um, it wasn't necessarily anything to do with the track, just sort of weird, different things. And the the classic has taken um, quite a hit as well. Some of the quality from this race is out. I, I'm looking at this race more and more, and Eric, I'm going to tell you about a horse that I would have said a couple months ago, there's no way I would have picked this horse to win the classic. I just don't think it's that strong of a, a normal Breeders' Cup classic. I think Zandon... The number two in here has a legitimate shot. He's very honest. He always shows up and runs well, but he'd been the type of horse for 10 races in a row. He had not won second, third, second, third, over and over. He finally put it all together. And a lot of times that is what is needed. It's sort of like that confidence builder to just kind of remind yourself what you're supposed to do. I think Zandin is catching a really good field. Like there just aren't any horses in here that I'm not scared of for him. I think he's going to be a great price. Frankie DeTore, one of the best riders in the world. He was supposed to retire at the end of this year, but he has been doing so well. He's not going to retire and he's going to move from Europe and he's going to race here in the U S in Southern California to start the year because he wants to see if he can find a horse that will take him to the Kentucky Derby. So oh. I think it I think it would be pretty cool too if Frankie DeTore were to win the Breeders' Cup Classic with he was supposed to have retired, all this pomp and circumstance. It's it's kind of narrative-y. He's going to give Zandon a nice aggressive ride. What I mean by aggressive, Zandon won't be on the front, but I th- it, he will be sitting in a good spot, saving ground on the rail. Zandon in the mix for me. There's three horses in the Classic that if I'm playing the pick five, I'm using these three. Zandin, the number eight, Ushiba Tesoro. This is the Japanese horse. This horse won the Dubai World Cup earlier this year. He might just be tons better than this group. He honestly might. 
and he is such a wild card X factor. I have to include him because he has some incredible races recently. He has won his last six races in a row, and he has been a monster in all of those races, like not even tested. So the eight, I actually feel like he's the horse to beat. My final one, Eric, is the 11, Bright Future. This is an up-and-coming horse. He's peaking. I think he can sit very close in here and sit third or fourth. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this race and hope that Arabian Night and Saudi Crown both end up putting pressure on each other early and that it sets up for horses to come from off the pace. So uh, the three for me to use all exotics in the classic. And if you want to play any uh, pick fours, pick fives or any types, I'm using the two, eight and 11. And I actually have them in order as my top three, two, eight, 11. I like it. I like it. Um, now, one of the favorite things I like to do when you're on is bring up these head to heads. Um, Got to use Bovada, bet online. Dave, you're tanking. You don't have anything up. Bookmaker <laughs> doesn't have anything up. Um, so let's bring these up. First one, we're looking at Bright Future, plus 120, Arabian Night, minus 160. Any thought there? Man. Yeah, I mean, I... I definitely like Bright Future a little bit in that one. I, I The thing is, I like Bright Future. I think it's a tad short on value for Bright Future, to be honest, at plus 120. I might want a little more than that. But I I, I would lean Bright Future versus Arabian Night on that one for sure. Uh, next one, the aforementioned Zandon against Proxy. Zandon minus 160, Proxy plus 120. See, like in this situation, Zandon is going to be a fair price on the board to bet. So I I don't I wouldn't turn him into this type of a favorite against Proxy or or probably Derma Sotogake either. Like I don't I I think with Zandin, I would prefer playing Zandin just to win. I'd take White Barrio in the next one straight up against Arabian Knight. Um and I'm going to tell you this Breaking news, Deontay Johnson finally scored a goddamn touchdown. Oh! Deontay Johnson finally scored a, year a and half. damn touchdown. Um, a year and a half. Um, That's great. Now we are going to. So I do, like, uh, I do like a Barrio over Arabian Night there at basically even. Okay. I would I would take a white Barrio in the head-to-head. Uh, next one, Saudi King. Any value on Saudi King plus one, 120 over White Abario? Mm, I, that one I, I would stay away from. I mean, I, uh, I, I would prefer White Abario, but I, I would, I don't think you need to lay 160 there. Uh, oh my god, I'll just call it White Abario versus Abario minus 140 against. Yeah, I mean, Ushba. I would play. I would place Ushba Tesoro at even money there. Ushba Pazora. Yeah, and I don't. I would. Yeah. Uh, uh, next one. I stay away from that one. I mean, I prefer if you're if people are out there and they like to play a lot of these matchups and you just put a few bucks on each one of them, I'd go miss the cut. It wouldn't be the one that I would tell you to bet, but if you were leaning one way or the other, I'd lean miss the cut there at plus. Uh, next one. Derma against Proxy. I actually them. like this one too. I think you I think you take Proxy because 
Derma Sotogake has not run a race since the Kentucky Derby. And we don't know. We don't even really know how good this horse is. So he hasn't run in a long time. He's kind of quirky. Proxy is like solid. Like he's pretty honest and you know that he will come running. He might be third or fourth in here. Like Derma Sotogake could be last by many lengths. I, I don't think that'll be the case with Proxy. I would prefer Proxy. Honestly, that might be my favorite one so far just because of like, proxy it might be safe. Like so, Proxy's just like consistency versus a total wild card like Derma Sotogake. Uh, Saudi crown against Arabian King. Saudi crown I'd stay away. These are the two, uh, these are the two speed horses. So I'd stay away from them. I mean, Arabian Knights like the better horse, but. Um, eh. Saudi crown and. Uspa. Uspa. I would probably stay away from that one. I actually like the next one though. Clapton a little bit. Uh, Clapton, Clapton over Senior Buscador. Clapton's actually been in pretty good form recently. And Senior Buscador is just a little too deep of a closer. In, and so I think I could see Clapton getting a better trip in this race. And Clapton's at plus 115. So, yeah, that would be one of the ones I like a little a little more. Bright Future plus 110 against Uspa. Gosh. Um I have these two in my top three, so I probably wouldn't necessarily play them against each other in that sense. But yeah, I probably would stay away from that one. I probably I'd probably want a little bit more on Bright Future than than the plus um, one ten. Absolutely Arabian. plus money on Ush. That that one's my favorite right there. That's the best one we've we've got so far. If you can find plus money against Arabian Night on Ushba Tesoro, because I wouldn't be surprised if Ushba Tesoro is the favorite in the race. Um, when they go off, when the when they go off, like if Ushba Tesoro is like five to two, or like close to two to one, and Arabian Nights like five to two, so yeah, that of by far, yeah, I like that one the best. Um, and the last one, Senior against Dreamlike. Yeah, I'd probably stay away from there. I mean, I'd prefer Senior, but I wouldn't want to lay one forty with him. Sometimes, like, so you mentioned in the classic, your exact, the horses you like were the 2811. Yep. Now, would, so right now I'm looking at this, the 28 here plays plus 275. Do you think we'll get a better price than a plus 275 come race day? So that's two chances, I think, is that, so that's your two chances to win, right? Yeah. Is that is that what that is? Um, yeah, so like right here, like so either dude, one. Yeah, of we the- take we take that right now because Ushba might be less than that himself. And then I'm looking the eleven. Where are we at? Plus four fifty. Yeah. See, I would mu- that Zandin and Ushba because you like that you, a lot. Well, because it. If Ushba Tesoro is five to two, you're mm-hmm. you know on race day we've already locked in more than five to two, and we get another horse. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that that could be because there's a possibility that this horse gets bet quite a bit. So yeah, that that is what I I like that one a lot. That plus two seventy five 
Zandin, Ushba, Tesoro, one of those two to win the classic at plus 275. Sure. I like that one. I like that one too. I'm going to put that one in after we finish this. Gino, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your busy day. Come on and uh, talk some Breeders' Cup. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, where they can find your podcast, where you break down all these races and all that good stuff. Yeah, just posted a couple of videos on social media. If you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B, or YouTube or uh, Facebook, any of those places. I always have them live stream there. And then my podcast is That's What G Said Podcast. You can get that anywhere you download your podcasts. And we have uh, Friday Breeders' Cup races preview. Barry Spears joined me to talk about all the Saturday Breeders' Cup races, and we preview those. And I will be out at the track on Friday and Saturday trying to post some things here and there. I'll also be doing some stuff on the daily racing form account. So you can follow along over there. If you need some help or you just want to stay informed and I got to give you a big shout out and a big thank you because over the last week and a half, I've been kind of crazy and you made sure to take care of all of our shows. You have handled uh, NFL betting blitz. You've handled the winning ticket. You've handled a bunch of things and they've taken them off of my plate and made life a lot easier for me. So thank you so much for handling biz for me, buddy. And uh, let's crush it this weekend. Not a problem, man. Anytime. Um, but sadly, with the NFL Blitz, going to put something more on your table because something we started we started doing it last week and it got a lot of positive feedback, a round robin parlay of some sort. Okay. Okay. So um, Chase, who was on last week, he did a round robin first touchdown for a team parlay. He okay. hit two out of four. I had four player props I liked, so I skewed them up a little bit to get. So I got plus one fifty or higher. We hit three out of four. So the new okay. thing on the show is we end the round show, robin, round robin parlay. Okay, each after four and and it has to be has to be plus odds on the part on on one on all four legs. So I mean, like you can't have one leg be minus one thirty. So all absolutely. Of them that, so. All of them have to be plus money, and I and after these next couple days of a uh, horse racing next week, I'll be able to kind of catch myself up to a lot of the things that I missed, and then um, yeah, we'll be able to uh, to start some round robin. You're gonna have is Chase gonna join you again this weekend? He's gonna come back on again. So awesome, Chase awesome, good stuff, and uh, awesome. We'll be there uh, Saturday morning at 10 Sunday morning at, ele- at, ele- at eleven Eastern. Morning. Sorry, Sunday yep. morning at eleven Eastern, we'll be there. Well, because so. you're in the central, so I know for you it's a little different too. So it gets yeah. a little skewed, but uh, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, let's Anytime, catch brother. And we'll talk soon, dude. Good luck, everyone. Make sure to give my boy Gino a follow at it's me Gino B. He's out there at Santa Anita right there. Go up to him, say hi if you see him out there at a track. Now let's welcome to the show the man, the myth, the legend, the guy that. Uh, has been here all NASCAR season at Boston Boy 83. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some NASCAR and who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend, branded, a.k.a. Boston Boy 83. Last race of the season, man. Seems like we just started this back in February. How are you doing, dude? Dude, I'm doing good. How about you? You know what? I, I'm, not, I'm not too hot, man. I'm not too hot, dude. You know, I'm sitting on the Steelers here, minus two and a half. And uh, did Tennessee just score, or did they kick a field goal? They just scored, but uh, you know, I uh, I did the prop. My little thrive thing was Deontay Johnson over and D Hop 
under 53. He's at 64. Had to do the under, dude. I'm sorry. I had principal play of the under. But is what it is. And the 99% of the people that bet the most public play, congratulations on your sharp call because you bet it because you had 140 <laughs> last, last game. Congratulations. I am proud of you. Um, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk NASCAR. Last race of the season. There's four drivers in contention. Um, we got Larson, Byron, Blaney, and um, Bell. who? Bell. Bell, Bell, Bell. Now, obviously, their odds are insanely low, which is interesting to me. Oh, I do share. I, I just, I know it's a championship race, but these guys don't have to win the race. They just got to finish in front of the other person. So to see their odds so drastically low to win the race even though the last couple of years, whoever won the race was in the championship for, I, I get that. But the fact that Vegas has them drastically, I mean, 10, $15 to every dollar lower than every driver is interesting to me. I just, I was shocked when I literally, to be honest, I pulled out the bets about five hours ago to start looking through everything. And I was like, this is weird. So I will say before we play our bets, if you're looking to try and really cash in on the final week in NASCAR, this is a field day for you if you don't want one of the final four to win or if you don't think they'll win. Because some of the drivers we're about to read off and their odds are mind-boggling to me at where those odds are. You have guys that are sitting at Joey or uh, Corey LaJoy-type odds to win a race that have won a championship before. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird, man. Um, so with that being said, excuse me, this race is really hard for me to handicap. Like I, it's the last, because part of me looks at it like this. It's the last race of the year. And if there's going to be any shenanigans, it's going to happen. You know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of how I'm going in looking at this. And because of that, I'm a little timid just because this isn't a middle of the race year this is like okay like who i don't even know off the top of my head who who's got drama right now like who non non-playoff drivers yeah what what non-playoff drivers amongst it have some drama logano gibbs uh and naturally you have way more drama in the in the xfinity series but you you really don't have a whole lot of oh my god drama going into into this weekend for the championship race. Okay. Um, and like people could do crazy stuff. They could win it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just, this race is always the hardest one. And because of that, I only have two bets. I literally, so you have five. So you know what, what we'll do is why don't you go start us off with your first three? So I don't like going this low for an odd to win a race. But the championship driver I am picking out to win the championship and win the race is Ryan Blaney at 375 or plus 375. He's been driving phenomenal. Me and you talked about it at the beginning of the season. He's bound to have a breakthrough. He's kind of got that breakthrough, running consistent. His spotter, Josh Williams, I'm not biased, even though I kind of know him personally. Like I see a lot of big team building stuff with them right now to where I see him being able when 
when it comes down to crunch time and not letting your anger or aggression get the best of you out of all the drivers I'm looking at for the championship, he's one of them. So if you're picking a final four driver to win this race, my go-to is going to be Blaney at plus 375. Okay. All right. Um, What's your next bet? He's won here before. He's won multiple championships. He's sitting at 25 to 1. And I have a future bet to place after I say this. Joey Logano at 25 to 1. Okay. Again, one here before to throw a crazy stat at you. And this is going to kind of roll into my future bet that I did not discuss with you before the show. Made the championship and made the championship in 2014, not 2015. Made it in 2016, not 2017. Made it in 2018, not 2019. Made it 21, not in 22. Like, or I'm backwards by a year. Long story short, the man has made the championship every other year since 2014. Oh, wow. My future bet that I'm going to add right now is as soon as the futures drop. If there's a way to lock him in as a final four driver, not the championship, but a final four driver, I'm grabbing Logano before the season even starts. I like him to win the race at 25 to one. That's just a crazy number to me to see that from a multi champion plus every other year in the final four and is executed at this track. Joey Logano. So I'm going to say one of my bets. One of my bets, this one was at even money, Logano over Hamlin. Logano, best average finish here over the last seven years with two wins, leading the most laps. Flip slide, Hamlin, 11th best average finish, has only led 33 laps. Two of his last three races, he finished outside the top 10. So I did go with Logano over (coughs) Hamlin. So Logano wins, we both win, my friend. I like that too because to me, Hamlin's going in this final race just to get the season over. Note again, another year, another bust for the guy that should be winning a championship. No trophies for you, Joey Logano. Again, for another year. Sorry. Um, Now, next bet. Where are you going, my friend? I'm going to a champion, a guy that's won this track before as well. Race as well has done nothing this year, but I am looking at my boy Chase Elliott at 40 to 1 odds to win a race. 40. Just let that soak in for a minute. Chase Elliott, champion, bad year. We've seen him as high as 25 to 1, 23 to 1, 40 to 1 odds for the number nine to get into victory lane. Give me that all day. All day. Your boy, dude. That's your boy. And at 40 to one, dude, like, look, dude, at 40 to one, that's just something you just can't. You can't pass it. You can't pass that. And I'm not being a homer. You know that. Like, seeing that odd and it being Chase, even though it's a bad year, like, that is your Chase Briscoe odd every single week. Yeah. Who doesn't win a race? So that was my other one. I got two more, but let's hear your next one. You know what? This one is a homer bet, goddammit. Uh, can, can can I just assume that it starts with the word uncle? Uncle Kev, last time. <laughs> last yeah. one. For the sake <laughs> of the show, I have to do it. 
Kevin Harvick, 14 to 1. Last race, he could completely F around and win it, dude. He could completely F around and win it. The last seven races here, he has a second best average finish, led the fifth most laps. But this is the thing that completely blew my mind. Okay. Completely blew my mind. Do you know when the last time he finished outside of the top 10 here was? 2016. March 3rd, 2013. That's 10 years of consistently just being in the top 10. Um, It was awesome. And, like, I think if he's in a position, I could see him dumping some people to win it, dude. Yeah. Would it be in the final race? Yes. Now, I will tell you, on the flip side, if it's a championship driver. He won't do it. He won't do it, but I hear you. Anybody else, he'll he'll send them to to ride off into the sunset on his Uncle Kev horse. And he won't have any care in the fucking world, dude. Nope. He'll be like, peace out. Um next, uh, what what do you have remaining, my friend? All right. The man was in the final four last season. Didn't didn't do too well here. Got caught up in some stuff. Kind of took my boy out, so I was a little butt hurt. But I'm I'm looking at Ross Chastain, track house sixty six to one. I like that it. again. The guy that was in the championship for last year, a guy that's won, winning races year after year. Track house continues to level up week after week. Just in general, again sixty six to one. No track history. Take that out of it. I'm looking at the team, the driver, and then the odd right now. 66 to 1, watermelon man all day. I love it, dude. I love it. Do you have anything else? or I have, have a, I have a final one. All right, let's hear it. Rookie should get rookie of the year without a problem. Has a little problem with Joey right now. Call it what it is. I'm looking at Ty Gibbs. To end his rookie year with a win at 100 to 1. Wow. Yes. In a Gibbs car, doing well. His teammate is in the final four. I could see him running up front and helping. Like, again, I'm just, I'm shocked looking at Ty Gibbs 100 to 1, Ross at 66, and Chase at 40. Like, I'm I'm looking for the long shot money bet to end out NASCAR this year and put us on a whole nother level of an ROI that we haven't even been at mm-hmm. just based off of a final win at the end of the year. I like it's it. It's huge. Like, it's been a great season. Um, you know, definitely, you know, if we could end 100 to 1 would be fucking phenomenal. Excuse my language. Um, which regardless we're up at the end of the year. We're good. We're up. Like, we're good. Uh, you know, I think what we're going to do like next week, you know, obviously the season is going to be over next week. I think what we're going to do is we're going to come on. We're going to just kind of give a recap of obviously the championship race recap of the season, what to kind of look for going into next season. And if any Xfinity drivers could be coming up, like what's going to be, you know, like honestly, before we even get into anything with that, you know, that's going to, we're, we're going to do next year for those listening. What the hell was that with Sheldon Creed and at last week? What 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 what's going on there? So I will tell you this right now, and I hope my computer battery doesn't die. But Sheldon Creed, Austin Hill, 
teammates. Creed has to win to get in. Austin Hill has to have a good finish. One, two. Austin, excuse my language, you can bitch all of you, all you want about your teammate running you hard when he has to win to get in. But if you just back it off just a little and let Sheldon win and you finish second, both of you are in the playoffs. Both of you. But you want to door your teammate Sheldon down the backstretch. And then you want to get mad at him for racing you hard and pushing you up the track. And he says, well, he parked it in turn three and I had nowhere to go. Sheldon got loose, let off to not let anybody underneath him. And you drove into the back of him. So Austin Hill, you're on my shit list. Got nothing for you, buddy. Sheldon Creed, I'm on that bandwagon. I don't care. Xfinity, Cup, Trucks, Off-Road, don't care. Sheldon Creed, you're my dude now. You got chewed out by Richard Childress. Everybody, and the one man that backed him for what he did was Dale Jr. and his Dale Jr. download. All Austin Hill had to do, let your teammate pass you, fall in behind him, and you're both in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't know, man. I I understand Richard Childress. Both your drivers did not make the final four, so you're pissed. I get it. But the fact that you have guys from the other team that are technically teammates walking over to a driver and shitting on him, I, I don't agree with that type of leadership at all. So yeah, I got that's you. My take with that. I got you. I got you, my man, Brandon. I'd like to thank you for coming on. You know, enjoy talking NASCAR with you every week this season. You know, we're gonna do it next week. Have a little recap episode, and uh, you know. And then we'll figure something out and we'll start back up in February, man. I appreciate you. Make sure to give him a follow at Boston Boy 83. Do you have a race this Wednesday? If so, where at, my friend? So the season's over. Some really exciting news. Nerditude Motorsports has put a charter team together to go from the trucks, skip Xfinity, and go right to the cup cars starting on Tuesdays in February. So I will keep you guys posted with any updates. New paint scheme is going to be coming out, possibly a new number. But uh, we're getting out of the truck series. We're skipping Xfinity, and we're going right to next gen starting at the beginning of the season. So I got a lot of work to do, man, because I, I don't you're know how to drive that skipping, car. You're going straight up, dude. Straight to Cup. So That's we awesome. rate we raced ten races in the Cup series, even though there's twelve we missed two. We're in the top ten every single week. Won a race. Sorry, nine out of ten weeks we're in the top ten. Had one week finished fourteenth. Got a win. And I got a call last night after finishing fourth at Phoenix that uh, we're going straight to next gen. So super That's excited awesome. about it. Yeah. Awesome. I'm happy for you. Couldn't have happened to a better guy, man. I appreciate you. Make sure you check that out. When that happens, I'll make sure I tweet it out, Instagram it out. Yep. Brandon, let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. We'll talk next week, my friend. Thanks, everybody. Good luck. Miss you guys after this, but we'll figure something out to keep you guys entertained. Make sure to give my boy Brandon a follow at Boston Boy 83. That's it for the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. Reminder to tune into the ETOF 21 Sports Show live this Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. Brandon will be this week's special guest. We'll look back at week nine, share what week 10 bets we are making. Plus, let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Until next week, boys and girls.